What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney. This is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about two movies that feature actor Brian Tyree Henry in supporting roles. That's right. More on him in a bit. This is a podcast about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the movie If Beale Street Could Talk. First, I want to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is another Spider-Man movie. There's a lot of... Oh, too much Spider-Man out there. But I think this one really works because it's a different thing. I think Spider-Man has that same issue that Batman has with Batman's parents getting killed over and over again. And with Spider-Man, it's the origin story about Uncle Ben and it's with great power comes great responsibility. And we've all heard that again and again and again. And we've seen Andrew Garfield go through that. We've seen Tobey Maguire go through that. We really haven't seen Tom Holland's Spider-Man go through that. But we're kind of sick of the origin story. So this movie, Spider-Verse, gives us a new hero with a completely different backstory. Miles Morales. Miles Morales is a different kind of Spider-Man. First off, he's African-American. He's a different take on the character. Now, Peter Parker does exist in this movie, but he is not at the forefront of this movie. This is a Miles Morales movie, and I think this is a much-needed break from the Peter Parker backstory, the Mary Jane Watson love interest story. I think we needed a new character, and I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to, because I'm a huge... Listen, I love Bruce Wayne as Batman, and I love Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but I think sometimes when you see things that you love in a different light, it works, and this one really, really works. Just get to see the experience of somebody else being bitten by the spider and going through the teenage things that Peter Parker goes through, and it's a different different story. I mean, I'm sorry. We all seen the Batman killing of the parents again and again, and we've all seen Spider-Man's uncle, Uncle Ben, dying. Maybe it's time for different stories to be told in 2019, especially if we're still going to get those stories, which we are. They're still movies all based about Peter Parker. It's nice that we can have a different Spider-Man, and this character is interesting. He's fascinating. I Everything about him, listening to the headphones, it was just a fun experience to witness another character become Spider-Man. Let's now talk about the all-star cast in this one. Shameek Moore voices Miles Morales. Shameek Moore is an interesting leading man. He was the young character in a movie I liked called Dope. Dope is such a good Movie, I could not not recommend you seeing Dope anymore. Zoe Kravitz is in the movie Dope. ASAP Rocky is in the movie Dope. Shameek Moore is more than just Miles Morales in Spider-Man. He is an interesting actor and he's had an interesting career. This is like his first big movie since Dope. I hope this guy has a huge, huge career. He's interesting. Jake Johnson is in the movie. He voices one of the many Peter Parkers, but the main mentor to Miles Morales. Haley Steinfeld is in the movie. She is Gwen. She is Spider-Gwen in the movie. I just... Her career is interesting. She was in the movie Edge of Seventeen. She was in the Pitch Perfect movies. She's making interesting choices. Bumblebee, which I haven't seen, which I'm dying to see. She is a young actress making interesting choices throughout her career. She's developing interesting characters. I I just find her career to be interesting. Mahershala Lee is in this movie. Leave Schreiber is in this movie. And then my man Brian Tyree Henry is in this movie as the voice of Miles Morales' father. Now, Brian Tyree Henry is also in the next movie I'm going to talk about on this podcast. But in this movie, he has an impactful role as his relationship with Miles Morales as the father. Now, again, with Peter Parker, we never get a father figure type character because he has Aunt May. Well, with Miles Morales, he has a dad, and it's interesting to see that dynamic. His dad is a cop, so he's obviously against 
vigilantism, but there's a cool dynamic between these characters that, again, you wouldn't get this kind of dynamic if this were a Peter Parker Spider-Man movie, which I find interesting. It's a new dynamic. It's a new relationship that most Spider-Man fans are not used to seeing in these movies. Now, with every superhero movie, and this is an animated movie, you get comedic relief, and the comedic relief in this one comes from my favorite comedian working right now, and probably of all time, John Mulaney, and funny actor Nicolas Cage. Now, Nicolas Cage was also in Teen Titans Go to the Movie, so for some reason, Nicolas Cage is in a lot of animated superhero movies recently, but he is hilarious in this one. He's playing more of like a noir detective type Spider-Man, and John Mulaney is voicing Spider-Ham, and it is funny. They are the funniest things in the movie. Again, there's not a lot of them to go around. They don't have much of plot, background, or interest to the entire story. They are just there to make you laugh, and again, a huge portal has been opened. There are many different versions of Spider-Man and Spider-Ham and the noir Spider-Man. I just thought they were funny. In Nicolas Cage, again, he voiced Superman in Teen Titans Go the Movie. Again, he's he's doing some weird, interesting animated superhero movie run he's on. It's weird. I like it. Nick Cage is weird. And again, that's why I like him. Now I want to talk about the people who made this movie possible. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I'm huge fans of. They were producers on How I Met Your Mother at one point. They directed Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie. Again, this is their big bounce back because Phil Lord and Chris Miller were supposed to direct the solo movie starring Alden Enreich that... that ended up being directed by Ron Howard. Listen, I think these guys are hilarious. I think they wanted to make the solo movie funny. Well, boy, did they bounce back in a big way since the solo movie. The Lego Movie 2 came out and it was a success. And now they have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which, by the way, won the Oscar for Best Animated Movie. These guys are brilliant filmmakers. Again, 21 Drum Street, 22 Drum Street, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie, now Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. And again, it keeps making me wonder, what was their solo movie going to be like? Because I did like Ron Howard's version of the movie. Again, their version of the movie would have been a lot better, in my opinion. And for Disney, if you're going to hire two of the funniest people on the planet to direct your movie, let the movie be in their vision. And I think Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse is great comedically because of these two people. Again, they have a history of making brilliant comedy. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse adds to that. 21 Jump Street is one of the funniest movies of the past decade. Let these guys do what they're going to do, and the outcome is going to be like movies like the Lego movie, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Again, this reminds me of when Disney fired Edgar Wright from Ant-Man, and guess what he went on to make? Baby Driver. Again, if you fire interesting, great directors, they're going to bounce back in a big way, and again, this is their big bounce back. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, look out for these guys. Brilliant filmmakers that I enjoy. Every movie they make is hilarious. More on this movie, though, in general. Great animation from Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. And again, this movie is the most like a comic book movie ever. The other 
superhero movies are live action and they go with it. But this movie is literally like a comic book. It brings you back to the days when you were reading a comic book as a kid. It uses that nostalgia of reading comic books. It wants you to view it as a comic book. It is the most comic booky movie of all time and it's brilliant in that way using that comic bookness. And, and, and rules don't apply. Vision, the visuals are insane. Every the movie is nuts, but it has a believable story and an easy to follow plot so that you let the insanity ensue. It's great fun. It's a really good movie. And I'll say this, this is one of the rare movies in 2019 that I actually want a sequel to. I want more Miles Morales movies. I'd even watch a Spider-Gwen movie. There's so much you could do what's next to this movie. Because again, they've already opened up a world where there are very few rules. There's a lot of different dimensions in this movie. So this movie could go in any kind of direction. They've used a lot of Spider-Man villains in this movie. Again, more Miles Morales, more more Spider-Gwen, more everything. This is one of the rare movies I want a sequel to. That is something rare to me wanting more. Because again, you can have sequelitis and you can be sick of sequels, but this is one of those rare movies where they could do something completely different. And as long as it's creative and interesting, I want more sequels to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Finally, I'll say this. This has to be in the ranking of my favorite Spider-Man movies. It probably goes along the side. The, the, it probably goes a lot like this. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, this. Spider-Verse would probably be in my top four Spider-Man movies. Sorry, Andrew Garfield, yours movie doesn't quite make the list. The original two Spider-Mans are my favorite Spider-Man movies, but Homecoming is also brilliant, and this is brilliant, and it deserves to be in that discussion. It probably could be... I wouldn't argue with you if you said this was the best Spider-Man movie. If you haven't already... Watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is a fun, thrilling ride and great animated movie that you can literally watch with anyone. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie If Beale Street Could Talk. Based on a novel, this movie is a story of Alonzo and Tish who are a young couple going through a lot of obstacles. There's a pregnancy involved with them. Alonzo is in prison during the movie. There's a lot going on in this movie, but there's a lot of things I want to talk about. What makes this a good movie? And first off, I want to talk about actor Stefan James. I think he's an interesting, unique leading man in the fact that he plays a, he often plays soft spoken characters, which is not a lot that I want. I don't see a lot of movies where the lead characters are so soft-spoken. I mean, he's in the TV show Homecoming. He was the same way. And I thought I was going to get a different Stefan James when I sat down and watched If Beale Street Could Talk. But really, the two performances are connected in that he doesn't say a lot in Homecoming, and he really doesn't say a lot in If Beale Street Could Talk. And I, I wonder if that's his acting method or if that's just the characters he's playing. But the, the, the dynamic of those two fascinates me. And again, I think it's a brilliant performance by Stefan James and he's he's Canadian he's African-American he is one of those guys I just want to see what's next for Stefan James he is so interesting in what he's doing and the choices he's making in these again homecoming he, he goes toe-to-toe with Julia Roberts and in this he's j- again it's just a change of pace that I, I literally enjoyed the soft-spoken characters. Like, he's not Jack Nicholson. He doesn't have catchy, 
He doesn't play a thing. They're different characters, but everything he's playing is like the soft-spoken lead, which is not something I'm used to, but I'm really starting to enjoy. And again, I hope he lead, I hope he becomes the lead of a lot of different type of movies. Kiki Lane plays Tish, the girlfriend of Fawny Alonzo. He calls himself Fawny in the movie. She, her performance is enjoyable. I thought it was a powerful, I thought it was a really good performance by her. I mean, she's not the most, again, I would rank her on the third best performance in this movie because she does get upstage by Stefan James. And by the way, Regina King is spectacular in this movie. She did end up winning the Oscar, so I'm not breaking any news by saying she's a brilliant actress. Regina King really brings it as Tish's mom. And and again, she never really had, I believe Regina King never has a scene with Stefan James because during most of the movie, Stefan James is in prison for a crime he did not commit. Again, I don't want to spoil any of this movie. But it is a must-see. It is a must-see movie. I really found visually interesting. And again, Regina King really brings it. And Stefan James, there's so many really good performances in this one. And again, it's an interesting type of movie. It's really good. Stefan James and Regina King, though, I would put that as a tie. as the best performances in the movie. Now, something I absolutely love about movies, and you'll know this if you listen to the John Berthold podcast, is when somebody comes into a movie and steals the entire movie with their presence. And Brian Tyree Henry does that. Again, I talked about him in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Well, guess what? He's in If Beale Street Could Talk. Brian Tyree Henry is mostly famous by being in the show Atlanta. But what he does in this movie, so in the movie, he plays a friend of Alonzo Fawny, who, before Stefan James goes to jail, there's a lot of back, there's a lot of flashbacks to before Fawny went to, and he is visited by one of his friends who is on parole. And this sad story of how Brian Tyree Henry's character was in prison for two years for something. For a crime he did not commit, which is the same thing that ends up happening to Fonny, but it also shows you what's going to end up happening to Fonny. But Brian Tyree Henry completely dominates the scene in a charismatic yet positive and negative way. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. This is a guy who's been hard struck in prison and yet he seems to be the happiest person on earth. He's dissing Tish's cooking, he's, he's drinking a lot of beers with Fonny. I don't know. It was. I don't even know if it was realistic that a guy would act that way if he came out of prison. But it was one of the most entertaining things I have ever seen. He completely dominates the movie for about eight minutes, where you completely forget that you care about Fonny and Tisha's love story, and you're like, I'd rather see a movie all about that guy, which is something really weird to say in the middle of a movie. Again, he pops into the movie about an hour in, and you've already know that she's pregnant and you already know that he's in jail and yet you're like you know what i really care about this guy now that's nuts and that's a rare ability and i don't know if the filmmaker if barry jenkins who i'll talk about in a minute i don't even know if he knew that the brian tyree henry scene would be that much of a killer but this guy completely and utterly takes over the movie which is a a rare talent and something i love again i talked about with john bernthal he does that in movies 
Brian Tyree Henry definitely now has the ability to do that in a movie because he did it in If Beale Street Could Talk. More on this movie. I think If Beale Street Could Talk is one of the weirdest movies of 2018 because it's both positive and bleak in the same time. Again, so Tish is 19, she's African American, and she is pregnant. And Fawny Alonzo is in prison and doesn't really have a line of work, yet they are upbeat people. It's upbeat and bleak at the same time, which is really weird. And by the end of the movie, they have their kid and the kid is visiting Fawny and in prison with Trish. And it's, it's, it's an interesting love story. Again, it's, it's both positive and bleak, which is a re, really weird genre mix. Like you, you're not sad. You are sad of what the character is going through, but you also see the positive in him that makes you believe that he's innocent. Like, he's 100% innocent. And so is the Brian Tyree Henry character. So I think that's maybe why the positivity comes out. Like, maybe if this was a movie about a guy who was guilty and was fooling all these people, you'd be like, wow, this is way too upbeat. But there really is like this, like, it's positive and really bleak at times. There's some arguments, there's an argument scene that's really rough, but it's never outright bleak and it's never outright positive. It's a mix of the two which I find fascinating. Again, this is a guy, Barry Jenkins is no, he, he, he's, he's, he's made movies like this. Moonlight is something that can be positive and both hugely negative at times. He's used to working in this kind of genre and I think he's the best at that. Now let's talk about Barry Jenkins. This is his second movie. This is his first movie since Moonlight, which he won the Oscar for beating La La Land. Listen, I am a huge fan of Damien Chazelle and La La Land, and I do believe it should have won the Oscar for Best Picture. But I do love Moonlight, and I love Barry Jenkins, and I love this movie. I think he's one of the... He's he's a master filmmaker at this point. The way he's He's getting these performances from these actors. He's getting the best performances. We didn't have Mahershala Ali giving dynamite performances before Barry Jenkins. Again, this is Regina King's best performance, Stefan James's best performance. There's a reason people are having huge amount of successes after being in Barry Jenkins' movie. And, and this, this isn't as, again, this isn't as bleak as Moonlight. This is a more positive, upbeat thing, even though it's about some murky, Topics, but again, Barry Jenkins is really a brilliant filmmaker, and I'm excited what he's going to do. I think there's a little bit of a rivalry here between him and Damien Chazelle a little bit. I mean, Damien Chazelle's second movie off of this was First Man. Barry Jenkins' second movie off of the the off of Moonlight was this, and it's interesting to me. I want to point this out. So if Beale Street could talk, not nominated for an Oscar. First Man, not nominated for an Oscar. So the two guys that dominated the 2016 Oscars were both not nominated for movies that some could argue are better than their first ones. There are things in First Man that I thought are better than La La Land. There are things better in Moonlight that are better than if that are better in If Beale Street could talk. I think these are two young filmmakers that are going to have 30 brilliant and beautiful movies but it's going to be quite a shame when we look back at 2018 and say wow Damien Chazelle and Barry Barry Jenkins were not nominated for First Man and If Beale Street Could Talk and that's a real shame and I think some of that has to do with the backlash of the La La Land and Moonlight incident the Oscars maybe want to avoid these people again I don't really know the answer to that they both came out with two brilliant films that I talked about first man on this podcast and now I'm talking if Beale Street could talk. 
you need to see both of those movies because these are two of the top 10 directors working in Hollywood today. Beale Street Talk is the small cameos by celebrity actors in this movie. There are a lot of famous leading men in this movie in small roles. Dave Franco from Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too and the movie Nerve. So he basically plays someone who rents Fawny and Trish a apartment. He is in one scene of this movie. This is Dave Franco, the disaster artist. Big, big movies. He's in Ed Screen, the bad guy from Deadpool. He's in the movie. Finn Whitrock from The Big Short is in this movie. Pedro Pascal from Triple Frontier. And Diego Luna, who was in a billion dollar Star Wars movie, Rogue One, and is getting his own Star Wars TV show on Disney+. Plus. There is a reason these people were willing to take small roles in a movie, and it's because of Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins is a master filmmaker that master actors want to work with. Again, let me list those names again. Dave Franco, Ed Screen, Finn Whitrock, Pedro Pascal, and Diego Luna. They are in about one or two scenes each, and they have very little dialogue. They are just going on with a beautiful and wonderful plot. It's a real love story, and I could not recommend if Beale Street could talk anymore. Again, it's a brilliant film about a couple that goes through all the odds, but there's never even a doubt in any of the characters' minds if they're going to break up. And again, in movies like this, and again, I haven't read the book, but it's easy for this movie to have been like, oh, they're going to break up at some point. And it was really good and insightful that there wasn't a breakup scene, or not. neither character didn't think they were going to figure things out, and that's a great thing. So if you haven't, Go see If Bill Street Could Talk and go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Thanks again for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of Pop Culture Spotlight every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thanks again for listening and please rate, review, and subscribe. (laughs) 